You know, every time I look at an SUV, especially like this one with all of the luggage on top, I think about a vacation that Lisa and I took years ago with our family. Our adult children were children then. The twins were a year, EJ was like three, Lee Beth was eight. We went to the Hyatt Hill Country in beautiful San Antonio, Texas to SeaWorld for a vacation. And I found out that it's impossible to take kids on a vacation. I found out you never call it a vacation when you take your kids. It's a family outing. So let's just lose that word. Family vacation? No, it's a family outing. Because when the kids are small, when you get back from the vacation, you need a vacation. Am I right? Well, here's what happened. You know, we had this big SUV. I think we had a Suburban at the time and four kids. So there was no way the luggage would get in the car. So we piled the luggage on top of the car. We had these cheap luggage carriers and, and it, was like, it was like a CrossFit workout just to put all of the paraphernalia on top of the car. It was unbelievable. And it was like in August, triple degree heat, and I had to take like two showers after I, after I packed the car. So we all loaded up and we headed out to beautiful San Antonio, Texas to see SeaWorld. When we pulled up, the bellman at the hotel just stood there and he was like this. <laughs> he said, I've been doing this for eight years. He said, I've never seen this much luggage from one family on one car in my life. That started our vacation. So during the vacation, we had a good time. We had some you know, conflict arguments, you know, because everyone's in close quarters, but it was, it, was, it was good, it was good, really good. We were there for a while and then it was time to go back to Dallas. I was so excited. I got up early, went through the same drill and packed the car and loaded up all of the baggage. I mean, we had portable playpens and strollers and Power Ranger duffel bags. We had it all. And I packed it up and we headed out to the Big D. When we turned into our neighborhood, I was like, hallelujah. I said to myself, I'll never do this again. <laughs> I turned into our neighborhood. There's our house. Yes. Turned in the driveway. Instinctively, I pushed the garage door opener. And in my excitement, in my elation, I forgot about the baggage on top of the car. I pressed the gas. Drywall flying, boards, nails going everywhere. I ripped off the top of our garage. I was like, oh my goodness. I forgot, just for a second, the bags were up there, tore the garage to smithereens, and it was expensive to fix. I think if the truth were known, a lot of us here would sort of identify with that story. A lot of us here have some serious family baggage we're carrying around a lot of baggage 
on top of our lives, yet most of us are unaware that we have the baggage. We're just sort of used to it. Now, we, we think it's normal. We think it's healthy. Yet, if we stop and look, we see the carnage, we see the destruction that the baggage is causing, and also, we're discovering if we really take a look at our lives that it's expensive. And if we keep on driving the way we've been driving, if we keep on forgetting about the baggage, we'll keep on destroying stuff, messing stuff up, and it'll be very, very expensive. Life is too short to go through life like that. Yeah, what do we do? We say, okay, okay, I'm in control. I'm in control of my life. And, and, and I'm going to white knuckle grip this steering wheel and I'm gonna do what I'm going to do because I know best how to function as a father. I know best how to function as a spouse. I know best how to function as a high school student, as a single adult. Really? That's why we're all dysfunctional. We dissed God's function for our lives. Are you from a dysfunctional family? People say, oh yeah, everybody's dysfunctional. Yeah, and technically that's true. We're all dysfunctional, I understand that. But do you come from a dysfunctional family? That's a, that's a good question because if you do, you've got some baggage. If you do, it's causing some carnage and, and destruction. If you do, it's costing you something emotionally, psychologically, spiritually. During this series, I've interviewed a lot of people about dysfunction. I've interviewed people from divorce situations. I've interviewed people from addiction situations. I've interviewed people who've been abused, whether it be physically or verbally. I've talked to psychologists. I've read scholarly papers. I have been in small group discussions about our family of origin. Then I went to the real source, the Bible. The Bible talks so much about dysfunction, and there's so many dysfunctional families in the Bible. Have you ever thought about that? They're littered throughout the pages of Scripture, dysfunctional families. So in this series that I'm very, very excited about, and I'm, I'm, I'm happy too, I'm so thrilled that you're bold enough to be here. I really, really am because that says a lot about who you are, that you're like, okay, I want to get this right because all of us have some issues some baggage that we need to deal with. But I, I thought we would have a working definition of a dysfunctional family. A dysfunctional family is a family in which conflict, misbehavior, and often child neglect or abuse on the part of an individual, on the part of individual parents occur continually and regularly, leading other members to accommodate such actions. Just for 
an example. How many of you come from a divorce situation or maybe divorce has touched your family in some way? Lift your hand. Wow. See, divorce has affected our family as well. Abuse. Verbal, physical abuse. Lift your hand. It's okay. Okay. All right. Unbelievable. How about addiction? Now, I'm talking about drugs, alcohol, but also I'm talking about maybe you're addicted, you're in, you're in a family and you're like, man, my father is addicted to himself. My mother is addicted to herself. I mean, they, they, they drink themselves, you know? They're dry drunks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we all deal with dysfunction, but some of us, in fact, I would say the majority of us have emerged from families like this. Now, 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 I want you to hear me very, very clearly. I'm not here to parent bash. I'm not here to slam our family of origin. I'm not. Because really, when we parent bash, we're bashing ourselves. Have you ever thought about that? Because you are your parents and I am my parents. And one of the reasons that we're married is our, our spouse keeps us from turning exactly into our mother or father. Did you know that? Oh, you're acting just like your mother, that look. Be careful, guys. Be careful with that one. You know what I'm saying, though. And we need to build on the good of our families. Our, our families, there you can find some good, some good things, build on those things. And the things that weren't so good, you know, go, wow, not going to do that. And I'm going to go the other way. Here, though, is the, is the problem. We try to change, and we can't. That's, that's what we need to understand. I can't change in and of myself, and you can't change in and of yourself. If you think about psychology, for example, psychology, the world of psychology just takes unique terms and in, in words and attaches them to sin and the results of sin. That's what, that's what psychologists do. And for the most part, they're great at labeling stuff, but they fall miserably short when they talk about the cure. Now, if they're, if they're Christian psychologists, that's a whole nother game because they're coming from the anchor of scripture, but Let's just, let's just be real here. You know, we, we can't change. I, I can't change. You can't change. And a lot of us need to come to that point where we go, God, I don't have the juice. I don't have the sauce. I don't have the stuff to change. I can't change. Say that with me. I can't change. That's liberating because we want to control our lives. I can do it. I can change. I know how to best function as a father, a mother, a student, a child, a single adult. I know how, no, 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 you, you, you can't change. And I gotta ask you are, you, are you dealing with your baggage? The Bible says in Isaiah 57, verses 18 and 19, I've seen how they acted, but I will heal them. I will lead them and help them. I will comfort them those who mourn and offer peace to all, both near and far. Okay, let's, let's personalize this verse. And here's, here's how I would read it if I personalized it. 
Isaiah 57, 18 through 19. I have seen how Ed has acted, but I will heal him. I will lead Ed and help Ed. I will comfort Ed when he mourns. I will offer peace to Ed both near and far. That's the text, that's the foundational text of this entire series, Adult Children, because we want children to act like adults and then we have adults acting like children. Why? Well, I'll tell you why. The root of our problem and the fruit of our problem goes all the way back to the origin of our family of origin. The origin of our family of origin would be that husband and wife team, you know, that crooked landscaper and that diva named Eve. They're the ones, they're the ones who dropped the ball. They're the ones who said, hey, I want to be God. I want to run the show. So from there, forget genetics, let's talk about synetics. From there, we've been dealing and trying to process these issues, these, these, these bags. See this duffel bag right here? This is a heavy, heavy bag. This looks like some of us. I mean, when, when God sees us, this is what he sees. Other people don't, but this is what he sees. You're a single adult. Maybe you meet someone online. Okay, wow. You have coffee with them. You walk into the coffee shop like, like this, with a duffel bag. This thing's heavy. There are blocks in here. Your single parent, student running around. Yeah. Just duffel bag. Baggage, man. Baggage. The baggage comes from our depravity. You know, we're, we're sinners. We've messed up. We get that from Adam and Eve and we double down on our dysfunction and we become more and more and more dysfunctional. We diss God's function for our lives and, and, and it's recreated and the luggage is redistributed in the family of origin. So let's, let's just see what's in our duffel bag. Told you it was heavy. Thankfully, your pastor is super strong <laughs> and can carry this heavy weight and burden on his shoulder. Any baggage here? And some of you, I'm telling you, are like this. I don't have any baggage. Are you kidding me? Really? I've not really messed up or there, there's no carnage as I look in the rearview mirror of my life. Oh, think about it. Is it damaging? Do you feel like, whoa, man, I just feel like I've been paying the piper, you know? What's in this bag? What's in this bag? Uh, you come from a dysfunctional family. Again, a family of, let's say, for example, divorce, abuse, let's say addiction, perfectionism. Perfectionism. 
We have a tendency to be perfectionistic sometimes when we emerge from dysfunctional families. Everything's gotta be right. Everything's gotta be perfect. Maybe your, your, your mom or dad, they were very perfectionistic. Or maybe, like in my family, the pendulum has gone the other way. From perfectionism to, man, I'm just gonna be laid back. No problem, man. I'm just gonna chill. <laughs> but see, we work hard at trying not to work hard. We're still perfectionistic in our laid backness, but that's a whole nother subject. Control, oh, I wanna control. I wanna control my problems, I wanna control my past, I wanna control people, I, 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 I want to control. And if I'm out of control, it reminds me of my family of origin, because my family of origin, see, we were out of control, so I've gotta control. I've gotta control my spouse, I've gotta control my finances, I've gotta control. Guilt, that's a big one, isn't it? We carry guilt. Some of the guilt we carry is unnecessary. What if my kids are gone, oh dad, the reason the garage got all jacked up and messed up was because of my Power Ranger duffel bag. Where the twins have said, it's because of my playpen, my portable playpen. No, 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 I'm the idiot. I messed up, you see what I'm saying to you? So some of us are, are living life and we're carrying this guilt and shame around that we shouldn't carry, we're not made to carry it. What's in your duffel bag? Egotism, it's all about me. I talked to one family therapist who said, if you take a dysfunctional family and usually you have one member who's dysfunctional, he said, you watch, everybody in the family will orbit around their dysfunction. And then, as people orbit, as family members orbit around the dysfunction, they will fly out of the family with great trajectory and oftentimes repeat the dysfunction, whether it be abuse, whether it be divorce, whether it be addiction. Really, really, really sinister. Then you have criticism. You grew up in a family where your dad, your mom just criticized you. You couldn't do anything right. The criticism hurts, doesn't it? So what do you do? Well, you, you emerge from this dysfunction, dysfunction and you criticize others. Because when I criticize you, I feel better about myself, I think but not really, I feel bad. And I want you to feel as bad as I do, so I'm going to criticize you. I don't like the way you walk, I don't like your car, your house is too big. Forgiveness, or the lack thereof. What a gift we can give ourselves. We're gonna learn how to forgive ourselves in this series. Some of us, again, who are carrying in the duffel bags guilt and shame, we need to forgive ourselves and forgive others. That's why we need to preach the gospel to ourselves every day. The death, 
burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Because when we do that, we're gonna walk in grace and mercy and humility and forgiveness. I've been much forgiven, so the least I can do is forgive you, release you, mom, release you, dad, uncle, brother, sister, someone who took advantage of you, someone who shamed you, someone who left you, deception. I, you know what, I have, I've never seen the level of lying like we have in our culture today. People will just, I mean, flat out lie for no reason. And the liars that I've come in contact with, even here, over the last couple of decades, some of the stories I can tell you would, would, would blow your mind, lying. You grew up in a deceptive household, and of course, we have this, this deceptive depravity in our lives from our original family of origin. Remember that? Adam and Eve. So, so we have this, 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 this uh, desire to deceive, to exaggerate, to hide, to, to, to cover our tracks. It's, it's again, sin, anxiety. Anybody here understand anxiety? So, so, so prevalent. Anxious. We grew up in an anxious family and now we're anxious and we're anxious about so many things, about the, about the future, about, about the past, about our family now, about our lives. And anger. It's another big one. You show me someone who's grown up in a dysfunctional family and I'll show you somebody who has an anger issue. Defensive, ready to pounce because they saw that model in family and that's just how people roll. Or we've taken all of our emotions and bottled them and Tupperware them in our lives. If you cross me, if you get up in my grill, if you cut me off on the overpass, anger, anger. And this duffel bag of dysfunction is something else. And then promiscuity, sexual promiscuity. Let's talk about that because maybe you grew up in the family of a divorce situation. Alcohol, drugs, narcissism. Maybe you grew up with some sort of abuse. What do you do as a young person going through puberty? You begin to say to yourself, you know what? Uh, wow, I need intimacy. I need love. I need acceptance. So you have these young girls and the first guy that winks at them, the first guy that sends them a suggestive text, boom. They're having sex with that, with that guy. And the same thing could happen to guys as well. And then you have confusion in these families where maybe you have an absentee father or mother, you have homosexuality and addiction to porn, lust. I think we see it played out all the time. 
And if you look at how many couples are living together now, I understand it. I, I get it. I'm not going to repeat what I saw in my family. I mean, my parents hated each other. They divorced. I'm not, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to test drive this girl or test drive this guy for a while until, until we get married. And I'm not even sure we are. Depravity. Dysfunction. This diabolical nature that the enemy has perpetrated upon us. Trust issues. A lot of us just have a hard time trusting people. I read this over and over. Just trusting, just having faith in someone. Because the trust was always broken in your family. Hey, we're gonna go to that game. Hey, we're gonna take that trip. Hey, we're gonna do this or that. Hey, we're gonna go to SeaWorld. But when the time came, it didn't happen. So you got trust issues and you've got abandonment issues and they segue into trust issues and then approval. Oh man, I've got, I've got, I've, I wanna hear the words I never heard growing up. Ed, you matter. Ed, I love you. Ed, you're really great at doing that. I know so many, especially men, who are on that treadmill, doing this, doing that, wanting to hear those words they never heard as a child. Wow, approval. I have a friend who lives in another state and God has blessed his life. He is so, so successful for the things of God, and he's an amazing guy. Yet, he's on that approval treadmill to such a degree. I just wanna see him and give him a hug and go, man, you, you, you're the man. You don't, you don't have to do all this stuff for people's approval. You know this, you've got God's approval. You got your family's approval, I mean, you don't, it's, it's, it's amazing. And I guarantee you, back in this, in this, this guy's life, in this duffel bag, you've got these issues. It's kind of negative, isn't it? He's like, oh man, wow, this is heavy. It is heavy. This is a very, very heavy series. So, so what we do is, I'll say it again, we double down on our, on our dysfunction. We say, I can control it, I can do it, I'm the man, I'm the girl, and it doesn't work because again, we forget about the extent of the baggage, we forget about the destruction that we've caused, and we forget how much it's going to cost. Well, here's some good news. The first thing, we've already said it, let's say it again. We have to admit that we can't change. So I have to admit I can't change. Say that with me. One, two, three. I can't change. I can't change. I can't. I'm helpless. I'm hopeless. I don't have the juice. I don't have the sauce to change. I can't change. Here's the root of my problem. Genesis chapter three, 
verse 5. I'm going to fly through these and just, just take notes. For God knows that when you eat from it, this is the enemy, our, our origin of the family of origin, talking to that crooked landscaper, right, that diva, that's Adam and Eve, little, kind of a little joke there, get it? I guess you didn't, that's okay, it's okay. No one laughed, I don't, I don't think they even, that's okay. Okay, Adam, a landscaper, because God said manage my garden. See, okay, crooked landscaper, and, and Eve being a, a beautiful diva. Did you get that earlier? Did everyone get that? I thought it was pretty funny, but I guess when the topic is this serious, it's, it's serious. I understand, it's, it's kind of hard to laugh, but. Okay, for God knows that when you eat from it, the devil says, your eyes will be open. Notice that's the omnipresence of God, write that in the margin. And you'll be like God, that's the omnipotence of God. Knowing good and evil, that's the omniscience of God. Adam was trying to be God. He was trying to function as God. Dysfunction, he's dissing the function of God. He's saying, I'm gonna function as God. That's still my problem. I fight that every day. So what's the result of living like this? I mean, of, of this dysfunction. What's the result? Fear, fear. So many people deal with fear these days over, over so many different issues. The Bible says in Genesis 3.10, and, and, and this is uh, basically what, what Adam said, I was, let's say it, afraid because I was naked. That's the pilot episode of Naked and Afraid, right there, you have it. Okay, feel good now, approval, <laughs> approval. I have approval issues, I do, okay, thank you. Frustration, it's another one. Psalm 32, three, my dishonesty made me miserable and filled my days with, let's say it together, frustration. Are you frustrated? Are you fearful? You're trying to control your own life. You're trying to function as God. Fatigue is another one. Psalm 32, four through five. My strength, let's say it together, evaporated like water on a sunny day until I finally admitted all my sins to you and stopped trying to hide them. Denial takes energy. And here's, here's what I thought about this car. This car, let me, let me get a tight shot of this. This car is called a Denali. If you rearrange those letters, you got denial. Somebody help me with that. Thank you for the approval again. Thank you. God, I'm feeling so good now. Wow. But see, it doesn't last long. See what I'm saying to you? I mean, that's great. Yeah, but I want some more applause. I want more people. It, 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 it's, it, I want more likes and more clicks and more. You have to understand that you're approved by God. So we're fearful, we're frustrated, we're fatigued, and then how about failure? Do you ever feel like a failure? Wow, maybe your asker is broken. You've not asked God to take control of your life. Proverbs 28, 13, you'll never succeed in life if you try to hide your sins. Confess them and give them up. Then God will show mercy to you. So step one, I can't change. Say it with me. I can't change. Step two, God can change me. Step two, let's say it. 
God can't change me. Jesus is all about change. The gospel is all about change, 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 change. The change cannot take place unless there's an exchange. And that's what happened on the cross, the exchange. I can trade my mistakes for God's mercy, my guilt for his grace, my shame for the Savior. What kind of deal is that? So the work's been done. Jesus has the power, the octane, the juice, the sauce to change my life, to change trust issues, perfectionism, control, egotism, approval, forgiveness, promiscuity, anger, anxiety, deception, criticism, and guilt, and many, many more. It's about Jesus. Well, what happens when we do this? Well, what happens when we say, okay, God, I can't change, and I admit that to you, but I know you can, and the change agent is Jesus. What happens? Well, here we go. We can comprehend God's character. What does that mean? God knows about my problem. Isn't that great? God knows about my criticism. God knows about my trust issues. God knows about my promiscuity. Psalm 56, eight, let's say it together. You know how troubled I am and you've kept a record of my tears. Now, what about that? A little bottle with your name on it, all the tears you've ever shed. That's strong. So God knows about my problem. God is sympathetic about my problem. Psalm 103, 13, he's like a father to us, tender and sympathetic. God can change my problem. Luke 18, 27, what's possible with man is possible with God. So we comprehend God's character and we simply comply with God's offer. What's God's offer? Last verse we're gonna read. Philippians 2.13, for it is God who is at work within you, giving you the will and the power to achieve his purpose. That's will power. That's will power. I can't change. God, you can change me. Every day for the next week, wake up, God, I can't change. But God, I believe and know you can change me. So right now, focus in on the primary block that you're dealing with. You might be like, oh man, I'm, I'm all of these. No, 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 no. Let's just do one. The first one the Holy Spirit of God brings to mind. I don't know what it is. That is your homework this week. You mention that because you're prolific when you're specific. You mention that, you own that, you tell God about it, you say, God, I have tried, I can't change. You can. I have the power in my life because it's my prayer that you give your life to Christ. He wants to meet you right where you are. He knows about your problem. He's sympathetic about your problem. He can change your problem and mine. Another thing I want to challenge you to do is think about community. I have it written down right here, the bottom of all the scriptures that I've been reading, community. That is what I kept hearing over and over and over and over and over again over the last several weeks as I researched this particular topic, community. Community, do this in community. 
Face this in community. Don't face it by yourself in community, community, community. Our church is a place of community. We have small groups, community. We have table talk, community. We have Bible studies, community, community, community. We serve in community. Make sure you do this in community because I'm here to tell you, you're not the only one who's carrying around this stuff. We all are. And I'm so happy we have a church like Fellowship Church that's open and honest about the baggage, the sin. I'm so glad we have a church that's open and honest about the, the problems that it can cause. And I'm so happy that we're so open and honest about talking about the cost because where are you gonna be in five years from now? 10 years from now, are you gonna keep on driving the way you've been driving? Clueless about your baggage? Clueless about the destruction? Continuing to just pay and pay and pay? Jesus paid it all. He took your destruction and mine. And if we'll just confess who we are to him, he'll come in and begin to change our lives. Is that good news? Man, I needed to hear that myself. Adult children, children act like adults and adults act like children, yet adults become a believer by having the faith like a child. And I want to help you and lead you and include you in this prayer as I believe many of you will follow Jesus. Lord, thank you for this time that we can get real and raw and honest about where we live. I pray, God, that many here would respond to you right now. And if you want me to include you in this prayer, to give your life to Jesus, to say, God, I can't change, you change me. Would you lift your hand? If you want me to include you in this prayer, just lift your hand, okay? The balcony, I got it. Back there, thank you. I got you. Yep, yep, yep. Thank you, young lady. Yes, sir. Thank you, my brother. Yep. Father, those who lifted their hands, and maybe even those who didn't are going to pray this prayer with me. In the moment they pray this prayer, change will come in because of an exchange. Just say, God, I admit to you that I've sinned, that I've messed up, that I can't change, that I have issues baggage caused by my behavior. I turn from that and turn to you. I admit to you that I'm a sinner and I turn to you, Jesus, as my Savior. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. And right now, I ask you to come into my life. I exchange my guilt for your grace, my mistakes for your mercy, my sin for the Savior of the world. Jesus, take control of my life. If you prayed that prayer with me, that's the greatest thing you'll ever do. And we're so thrilled that you prayed that prayer. Others here, maybe you have prayed that prayer before, but you've sort of forgotten about the baggage. Maybe the baggage has become normalized in your life. It's time to assess 
the baggage, the damage, and the cost and, and do it God's way. Bring us back next time because I know you'll do great things again in Jesus' name. Amen.